So many teenagers waiting to be adopted from foster care feel like their lives are over. They've given up hope of having a permanent home and are terrified of aging out with no support system. Right now, more than 113,000 children are waiting to be adopted in the U.S. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is dedicated to finding them the right family before it's too late. Learn how you can help at davethomasfoundation.org slash learn more. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. 251 episodes in. I don't know if that's a prime number. I don't know what we can do with that. I'm Louis Fertel. I don't do math. Well, if you were Miss Jean Brody, you'd know. She was not a math teacher, but that's all right. Well, I never read it. Her job in that movie, she's a teacher, but mostly what she does is she's come back from Italy, where she was over the summer, and she tells her students how fabulous and sex-heavy her time was there, and they idolize her for it. And so I think ultimately she was right. She's also a fascist, which is a complicating factor of her character. Well, we love fascists. Adidas doesn't, but we do. You say they're they're around right now, so they're having a moment, <laughs> shall we say? Um. Anyway, once again, it's a slightly sad episode. I need people to stop dying. I know. I also, I mean, like in a way, I like when somebody beloved. I, I don't want to say dies, but like we get to talk about them on Keep It, but. After the Angela Lansbury death, which is about as like prepared as you can be for someone to pass away, now we've lost Leslie Jordan in a what we assume is a medical hit, mishap that led to a car accident, and it's just so sad. I, I was saying to somebody the other day, there's that Angeline TV show where Emmy Rossum plays her, but anyway, Leslie Jordan is like the cool version of Angeline, and that you would see him all over West Hollywood where he loved to be, and he was as full of life as he was. Uh, on Will and Grace in person, and there's just no second one of him. It completely sucks. I mean, I famously loved his billboards that were always around, too. <laughs> always posing on a car, yes. Yeah. Uh, now, Leslie uh, Jordan was, you know, lovely, and I feel like um, uh, there have been a lot of posts from people about how he helped get them through early stages of lockdown, because that's when... Um, most people reverted to making online content. Um, not all of it successful, but <laughs> for him, yes. No. And also, it's like he popped off immediately. It, yeah, it took like like one or two posts in lockdown, and people just agreed. Oh yeah, you're um, you have a kind of guileless effervescence about life. Mm-hmm. And and that also makes it feel like it was just coming from themselves you know because i feel like if you did it early stages of lockdown you were just doing it from a need to connect with people obviously once you know like a he took off once i feel like z-way took off like other people started taking off then it became well how are we going to use our camera um to you know sort of get successful um and get a lot of eyeballs on it while everybody's at home but um that it just felt so very pure and natural and also he's so funny oh my god no the line deliveries and also these stories he would tell he's somebody uh, like a kathy griffin and not many others these days a celebrity who had a story about every other celebrity and he loved to tell them 
there was just a, a you know a, a chatty vibe about him, and I feel like people are maybe afraid to say the wrong thing, so you don't see as many celebrities like that anymore. But he uh, famously told the story about being on the sitcom "It Had to Be You" in the '90s, where the lead actress was Faye Dunaway. Who, if you know anything about Faye Dunaway, maybe one of the more difficult people to work with in Western civilization. Um, and he told a story about how she said, oh, Tennessee Williams is the only person who would ever call me Dorothy Faye. And he said, oh, can I call you Dorothy Faye? And she said, no. And then he goes, what a crazy bitch. It was just fucking hilarious. Just, <laughs> so, so, such a specific gay and out gay uh, person. They're just, there are so rarely people that have been out that long too. Yeah, and I think that, you know, one thing that a lot of people would be remembering, obviously, is um, Will and Grace, where um, he and Megan Mullally were just the reason to watch the show. Yes. Uh, I mean, everybody on that show is masterclass, but the two of them were specifically fabulous. I was very touched by Megan's uh, post about him. And I also just want to say that I looked through the the um, comedy guest actor nominees because of this, because he won once for Will and Grace. Did you remember that mm-hmm. Eli Wallach, as in The Ugly, from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, was nominated for Nurse Jackie at the age of 95? Um, I think you're assuming I watched Nurse Jackie. Well, again, of course, Nurse Jackie one. could still be on. We have no idea. <laughs> but uh, Eli Wallach, we were that, putting him on Showtime at 95. <laughs> I just had no idea. Yeah. A lot of things happen on Showtime, okay? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like when you, when you wonder where someone's been, they've been on Showtime. Actually, right. um, we during the um, interview today, we'll talk about who's on the show in a minute. Um, the guests and I were wondering where Jane Kaczmarek is. And I was like, well, maybe she's on Showtime. She is not, <laughs> actually. She actually has no credits since, like, 2019. I remember Jane Kaczmarek, after Malcolm in the Middle, did some either a season of a show that involved a courtroom. And then otherwise, I was complete. I am baffled. But she, I mean, she was... You wanted more of Jane Kaczmarek. She's a great celebrity Jeopardy player. What do you think of Matt Rogers? Oh, right. He was just on the other day. I watched that with all of our friends. And uh, and Matt Rogers was supposed to be there, but he had to go shoot something else. So we watched him. We had a viewing party for him without him, which makes you feel so desperate as a friend. I just want to say. But <laughs> um, but uh, uh, he did great. It started off, he like had a couple of missed questions at the beginning. And I was like, I know you're going to pull out of this. And then he did. He almost won it. He almost beat uh, John Michael Higgins. And now Joel Kim Booster, fellow Keep It alum, will be on, I believe, next week. Oh, wow. They are, they're going through the gaze. They're going through the streaming gaze. Was what they're doing. Uh, right, so. yeah. John Early, watch out, or whoever's next, yeah. Well, John Early is busy being in Taylor Swift videos, and we will we, we will get to that today because wouldn't be keep it if we didn't talk about a new Taylor Swift album. And I actually have no idea what you think this time. Oh, good. I mean, I barely know what I think either, but, so we'll see. We'll, we'll discover it together. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Midnight's, uh, and then also, our guest this week is a Keep It fan, uh, and also the star of Interview with the Vampire, Jacob Anderson. 
it seems like a doll. I could not be there for the interview, so I will listen later and, of course, send you my notes. But uh, this led me to rewatching the old interview with the vampire, and this dovetails with our other topic, which is which vampires and werewolves we actually care about in pop culture. And I know you're going to have a bigger list than I do, because I have one that really comes to mind for me, but you will, mm-hmm. I think, take me on a, a larger, fuller journey. I will. I, I will. I'm, I'm excited to talk about vampires. I was I was watching a, a classic vampire film last night, which I will reveal when we get to our segment. But before we do that, since you weren't in the interview, um, I tried to do an impression of you for oh God. Jacob. If because I'm going to go ahead and call Glad right now. Uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> 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 Lambda legal, please help. Uh, Yes, um, but we're going to deal with that after the interview Okay, uh, and see if I got it right. Okay, very good. So we will be right back with more Keep It. Don't let Election Day sneak up on you this year. There's a lot on your ballot, and you don't want to get caught off guard. Vote Save America is here to help you figure out the who, what, when, and where of voting. How very Linda Ellerby. Use the tool to learn about every position, candidate, and ballot measure you're voting on and build your own ballot to use as a handy voting cheat sheet. Next, you can find your times, places, and options for voting and make a plan all in one place. November 8th. Election Day is your last chance to vote. Head to votesaveamerica.com to make sure you're ballot ready. Taylor Swift's 100th album, Midnight's, <laughs> came out last Friday and everyone is talking about it. She's like Pearl Truly, Jam. There's like 7,000. She has her own serious channel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, with as many fucking versions of her albums at this point, it might be 100. Midnight's Taylor's version. Midnight's Reloaded, the re-up. Right. Oh, There's it's like uh, Sh- Shania Twain's up. Yeah. Red version. Uh, yeah. Rockabilly version. Yeah. Uh, so she released Midnight's at Midnight. Um, thankfully I've been on the, uh, West coast, um, for the past week. So the album came out at 9 PM for me, which let me tell you something is, is a beautiful blessing when things drop like this. Like I was on the West coast when Renaissance dropped. I love Mm -hmm. a 9 PM. Listen, midnight is stressful. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel the same way about when we get TV shows that that hour too. Yeah. Yeah, except except Netflix though. I've, I've had this problem with them all. Yeah, yeah. Had to wait till midnight, and then when I was going to press play on the final two episodes of the Mole, Taylor dropped Midnight's the three a.m. version with seven bonus tracks, which is the definition of mole behavior. <laughs> she would be a good mole, honestly. Um, also. That was kind of a a cool markety thing Taylor did, I have to say. The midnight drop is familiar to everybody, but to add a little something a couple hours later when people are already up and stirred up in the moment, I, I was impressed by that. Okay. Now, are you impressed by the album? <laughs> wow. Real masterpiece theater <laughs> cadence there. <laughs> Alistair Cook joining us. Um, 
Well, uh, I will say this. I'm surprised to hear people say that they are getting sick of Jack Antonoff because to me on this album, he establishes what I would call now a core Taylor Swift sound. Like in, in a way to me, mm-hmm. she doesn't sound like anybody else but herself. Whereas previous albums, you know, Red sounds like a bunch of other singer songwriters. 1989, she's getting more specific. But on this album, he combines a lot of the elements of those albums, like the Zappers of 1989, the, you know, the the kind of warehouse pound of uh, reputation and the kind of uh, soft vibe of Evermore. And so I, I would describe this album as a kind of wintry 1989. It's sort of like a small pulsating snow globe. And I really like the production of it. The songwriting, I'm sorry, what is she fucking talking about anymore? I'm so, like, we're, we're, sti- we're, we're still on fucking karma. We're still on I'm the villain. We're still on I'm a monster. It's like, uh, it's an album about boring perceptions of Taylor Swift, and I need her to get a hobby. <laughs> there was a very funny tweet um, where someone wrote, um, in her 30s, still making first breakup music, go sell some drugs. <laughs> Yes, right. It's very stunted to me. And again, now we have this, uh, one of the music videos for, not anti here, a Bejeweled, where she's, it's a play on Cinderella. Cinderella. Oh, God, we're, you're post-grad school. Please move along. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, God. I feel like that has been, well, one of my complaints about the visuals for Taylor's work for quite some time, um, it's almost regressed at this point because when we got Willow uh, and then Antihero is very basic. Uh, and, you know, and then it's it's also Alice in Wonderland, you know, like this big tailor uh, in the house drinking a tiny bottle. With her bottle. two references, There's two she of knows. her. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's, it's Disney and um, she's the villain, you know? Um, and then Bejeweled, which is, you know, the Cinderella. And, girl, who, who kidnapped Laura Dern and put her on that set? It was not normal. I mean, like, yeah, it, uh, I, she's there with the Heim sisters, and uh, Taylor wrote that dialogue, right? Like, she wrote the video? Yeah. Just needed a punch-up. Like, it wasn't giving hilarious. I, I think, like, Laura could have given you hilarious, too. Um, but but then, of course, the video kind of gets totally away from the Cinderella thing. I, by, by the After the part... Well, then she's just the silver surfer yeah. walking, walking through space. <laughs> so that part I liked. Also, Dita Von Teese in that video, the second first thought casting of Dita Von Teese in the past two months, because we all remember Don't Worry, Darling. <laughs> um, yes, I, I like where that video goes. but it just And we're getting a whole album of this, right? These, these videos are like coming up C- for an album where you would think like every video would be kind of crystalline and perfect. I also want to point out that this album is very much Taylor returning to the pop charts. Very much Taylor, I want to be played in commercials, in movies, in stadiums again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she wants children singing these songs and graduations, <laughs> weddings, and funerals. <laughs> yes. And so it's very much going back to that, you know base point of lover of 1989 of reputation it feels like you said like a mash of that where i don't know i feel like yes we have a signature sound for taylor but it almost just feels like we were getting something different with folklore and evermore and i was ready for her to give us something different again the album Mm. to me 
as someone who is admittedly a Taylor Swift fan, feels non-essential to me. Just I like feel a mix like, of the previous ones, yeah. Yeah, and well, and even like with newer stuff, like I love Glitch. I love um, Lavender Haze. And these are songs that she also made with um, Mark Anthony Spears, who is um, Kendrick's main producer since his first album. You know, so like mm. she went to some hip hop for her trip hop songs. Uh, and those are good. But aside from could have, would have, should have, um, which is an Aaron Dessner song, um, and he's from The National, and I've loved her work with him because I feel like he gets her voice very well. Um Aside from that song, none of the other songs would crack even my top 10 Taylor songs. And so I feel like the album is pleasant to listen to. I, I've like I've made like a playlist of my favorites into like a nice EP, but I don't think it's going to be largely remembered as um, a standout Taylor album. You know, it's just sort of it's interesting thinking about an artist releasing an inessential album. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would kind of say the same thing about Evermore, though. Like none of those songs to me stand out as like her top 10 or whatever. And on this album, I can think of a couple hooks I like, but I don't know. It's almost like she doesn't as much as you say she wants to return to the pop charts. I'm not hearing and it doesn't have to be like the huge pop hook of we're never, ever getting back together. But I'm not even really Mm -hmm. hearing like the elan of a song like style, which is just completely, you know, a mm-hmm. song you almost glide along as it, as it hits the radio. Um, Bejeweled is probably the biggest pop wise. Right. Bejeweled is like a, a, a pretty good song. I don't know. You're right. It doesn't have just the like giant earwormy moment for me either. Even like antihero, which I feel like is the song most people are getting behind. It was obviously the first video and stuff. Like I like antihero a lot, but the lyrics yeah, right. It's verbose. Like it's it's just. And by the way, I'm an Alanis Morissette fan, so I love when it, I love a song when it's like six syllables too deep. I love that. But <laughs> um, it's it's just like ew, like a little bit like clunky. It's it's just not the kind of you know. I, I feel like J.K. Simmons and Whiplash, like the tempo we love. <laughs> I do also have to say. I am extremely sick of how every ninth Taylor Swift song is now about how she's an outlaw, like the. <laughs> the karma thing, the vengeance song, like the dressing for revenge. Vigilante for shit. What? You have three album of the year Grammys. What? What? Stevie Wonder <laughs> did not put out an album in 1978 where he's like, and by the way, I'm the villain. What? <laughs> I think that this is her like Scooter Braun moment. Like she's angry with him, and that's where vigilante shit is coming from. But it's also. Girl, you're winning. Right. You right. Let's move on to another topic. Please. I, I heard you. You're you're not an underdog. No. It's like you 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 truly haven't been one since Kanye took that award from you on the stage. And even then, you were an underdog for maybe 10 minutes until Beyonce <laughs> gave up her time on the stage for you. When Beyonce gives you stage time um that means you are not the underdog beyonce doesn't even give her fans stage time okay i don't know that bitch is (laughs) partying in paris or somewhere while we're waiting for visuals for renaissance come on yeah the whole 
anti-hero, like I'm the villain, you know, like, and I'm tired of being put in this um, 1950s perception of what people think a woman should be is okay, but all of your videos put you there. Right. You like that in a way. Um, you know, anytime you like the, the victory album... project. <laughs> anytime the album reminded me of reputation, I was like, this is a six-year-old sentiment. Like, I just feel like you expressed it already. And let me just say, even songwriters I'm obsessed with return to specific motifs. For instance, like uh, Amy Mann, for example, I, I was just really like, almost on every album she puts out, there's some reference to being split in two and your, and your halves don't cohere again. And that's just a part of like the mental illness thing she's obsessed with um, discussing. I have no problem with like returning to certain motifs, but in this case... It's like she's referencing a way we once thought about her that is in no way true now. Yeah, I mean, The Weeknd is always rapping about cocaine and white bitches. So, you know, that that is a motif that I'm happy he returns to. All of Michael <laughs> Jackson's songs, like, there were constantly songs from him about being an outlaw. And, well, you know, like, he was constantly in court. So <laughs> That's just that legally true. Sense. Yes, right. Yes. <laughs> Um, Fits the definition. Janet Jackson is always making songs about orgasming. And you know what? I believe she does a lot. Yes, right. No, uh, if you're looking for a 36-second interlude where she coos three times and then there's an orgasm, Janet is exactly who you should be seeking out. Yeah, but whereas Taylor, we're, we're past the Kanye and Kim stuff, you know? And the Scooter Braun thing, as we said, you know, like you won. So... I just don't get this perception that she's the villain, but you know what? She is a Sagittarius. So, you know, <laughs> she is constantly living in three days of the condor. Right. Right. Well, I will also it's just say, what they do. I think a problem, I think a problem she has is, is an, is just an obsession with relatability, which many artists at this level have a problem with. It's like how Barbara Streisand is constantly bringing up her childhood in Brooklyn, because that's one thing everybody has a childhood. You know, so it's like, oh yeah, me too. I've had one of those. Meanwhile, Lady Gaga, it's like I'm just I'm just an Italian girl, you know, from New York City. <laughs> <laughs> she's from Yonkers, right? No, I'm kidding. That's she said that was her least favorite lie about her. Uh yeah, she's in Hello Dolly. Uh, right, yes. That's, that's yes, where yes. that's where Lady Gaga is. Uh, she's probably gonna be Dolly at some point. By the way, oh my, I'm just you, putting that out there. I can't believe you said that now because n now the dominoes are going to fall and that's going to happen way sooner than it should have before. Um, hello, hello, Dolly. How old is that character supposed to be? 104? Like, anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> She's older than the oldest profession. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dolly is the HR department at um yeah. <laughs> for the oldest profession okay uh so that's how old she is um i would love for taylor to get a little you know to give us a little Lindsay lohan you know get a little bit more personal raw oh yes <laughs> and Which, whenever Lindsay does into... that by the way it's extremely worrying so i wish she wouldn't but go ahead yeah. <laughs> Tap into some stuff we don't know. One song I thought is fucking brilliant uh, is Mastermind. Because that feels like... I think like, that's my favorite song on the album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. once And once I got to the end of the album, I was like, okay, you may just wait for this one. Um, this song is about 
you know, it's about her relationship with Joe Alwyn, um, who is, a, you know, a perfectly sweet boy. They've been together for six years. Um, he's a fine actor. In, Loved him um, in The Favorite. He stars at, no- stars at Noon. Um, he's good, you know, um, with that um, opposite that girl who's in the Tarantino movie who doesn't like to wear shoes. Uh, like he was, <laughs> he was, he was lovely. Um, I get it. But this song was basically about how, you know, like she manipulated like the romance, you know, like how like um, she was the mastermind behind it all. Like, you know, the like meet cutes and like the things like that. And I'm like, I like that song because it feels like her perception of herself that isn't distinctly tied to what she thinks we think about her i think it perfectly actually kind of distills who she is with how she you know thinks about the charts and how she thinks about grammys and how she just wants to win all the time um the bejeweled song getting the the, its video next is even part of that because when you looked at all the songs that were charting um, Bejeweled was separated um, between the other songs at the top of the charts, I believe, by Steve Lacey's Bad Habit and like Kim Petrus's Unholy. And so, of course, she released the Bejeweled video, so it jumped up over those two songs. Wow. Oh, she's Machiavellian because she cares or whatever that lyric is. Uh, yeah. Which actually, I kind of like that moment on the album. Also, did you notice in the um, the video for Bejeweled, there's a part where... The, the buttons on the elevator have colors associated with them. And fans decoded that it has to do with what albums she'll release next. And it turns out the next album, sure will, her 13th album will be Taylor's version of Speak Now, which I actually am curious about because that is, I think, my least favorite album of hers. So I'm wondering what she'll do with it. I like a few songs on Speak Now, but I don't return to it. Right, yeah. At all. I actually liked Mean yeah. at the time, but... I like better than revenge too. You know, it's like I don't, I don't give a fuck about her slut shaming um, a woman. Right? No. Come on. The way she slut shamed Abigail in fifteen. Never forget. <laughs> also, again, um, better than revenge. This is a topic she is still obsessed with. One hundred and seventy-five years later, who are we getting revenge on? Moving on. I would love to hear honestly about. Not that not that I think an artist should talk about their failures all the time, but you know it is a thing that you you know uh, a well that you go to as an artist. Um, she keeps trying to act, right? We I actually Valentine's thought she was Day. fine in Amsterdam. I thought she was fine in Amsterdam. Mind you, it you was a it? thirty second roll. Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry that you that it you was endured long. that film. Mm. No, everybody was doing their uh, ye old barbershop quartet acting, and I sat through all, I believe it was five hours long. Uh, uh, and only, um, I'm sure it was longer for the actors having to spend any time on set with David O. Russell. But um, <laughs> that movie, Cats, she was in Valentine's Day, and they all are like spectacular disasters. Right, and you didn't even bring up The Giver, which is one of the worst literary oh. adaptations ever. Well, you know, because it wasn't giving, you know? <laughs> Lois Lowry's give comment her... was, it's not giving. <laughs> it's called The Giver. Give her something else to do, <laughs> but not the film. Uh, so, you know, like, what, what, is, um, what is drawing her to that? 
You know, is it just what is just just because like I'm famous, so I guess I should be in a film. Like, you know, my my team says, do this film role. Or does she really want to be an actress? Or, you know, I like I I just I want to know more about that, you know? And she she loves rom-coms or romantic dramas, at least. I know she's talking about like Kramer versus Kramer and shit at the uh film festival when she was talking about the film she was watching before this album. Um, which by the way, this album doesn't even feel like Kramer's Kramer, Kramer versus Kramer, a marriage story. Like it doesn't feel like any of those things. No, absolutely not. No, she definitely still thinks she is living in a free form original dramedy about high school romance. And I just want to say, it feels like that was canceled in 2016. Let's move it along now. I'm thinking of, um, what, what's that show? A, a, a pregnant American teenager? The Secret Life oh, of the an The Secret American Life of the teenager. American Teenager. Molly Ringwald's own, yes. Yeah. Uh, the Secret Life of Taylor Swift is the TV show. <laughs> and we are on, we're on season 17. Yes, right. No, the original cast has moved on. Now, yeah, et cetera. I, I can't stop thinking about her watching Kramer versus Kramer. That means she knows who Jane Alexander is, and that makes me uncomfortable. Because Jane Alexander is for us. <laughs> watch testament next uh, that's about nuclear apocalypse right about write an album about that well i think we fully exhausted our taylor conversation yeah, i like the production i th- by the way i think her voice sounds really good on it too and i think her voice continues to sound better and better per album i just I, i'm not interested in what these songs are about anymore i think she continues to return to this pool of i don't want to say melodramatic topics but just like the, the same three things she's been writing about since like album one. I, I truly just would like, her, like literally just write a psychological profile of somebody who has nothing to do with you. I just find that to be more interesting than the let's obsess over this weird YA universe I still continue to live in. Just doesn't do anything for me. Well, that's why I liked, you know, the one to a folklore and Evermore because that like she was writing stories that weren't about her. Right, there were you a know, couple like in Last there. Great American Dynasty, you know? Um, but then she buys the house in that, too. Yeah, that's true. You know, she, yeah. she inserts herself into the story. Right. Uh, like all true artists do. I do lastly want to shout out another album that came out this week, which is not, you know, not getting enough attention, uh, but <sighs> Megan Trainer. <laughs> Shut <You> up. You know? <laughs> 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 a potential mother yes <laughs> i want to say about the carly ray jepson album to me it's a 3.5 out of 5 i love a, a certain songs on it namely shooting star which is i've always called carly ray jepson smiley minogue and now it just sounds like kylie minogue that that out that song star looks like it's from x an, yeah it's an epic song I love I love shooting like instantly I love that song. Uh I would give it probably that too because I feel like the songs that I love on it are some of the best songs that she's ever made. But the ones that I skip are really boring. And I'm I'm surprised cuz I feel like she's just is best when she's super uh bubblegum poppy and I'm surprised she still wants to live in this sort of um lazy river space which western wind sort of hinted <laughs> when she put it out but like talking to yourself i love i love surrender my heart uh and and, and her vocals sound great on it too uh I, I i i really regret that i didn't get to see her recently mysteriously i went and saw jesse ware in concert who was awesome uh but i didn't get to see uh carly ridge epson oh good are you ending your jesse ware vendetta 
I didn't say that. I think the album is still a little slow. <laughs> I still think it's playing in the bathroom at the disco and not at the actual disco. But <laughs> live right. on stage with the choreography, it was a slay. I thought Jesse was fucking fantastic. I thought Carly was fantastic. It was truly a tough week. There was there was there was a lot of there was a lot of tetrising that needed to go on if you were gay because Carly Rae Jepsen was Tuesday night, Jesse Ware was Monday and Tuesday, Lil Nas X was Tuesday and Wednesday. I saw all three, but it was a it was a lot of um, it was a lot of choreography, as it were. I'm gonna say, and I I assume rehab next, so a lot of that coming up for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm actually recording this from Promises. <laughs> Does Promises still exist? I think of that as such a 2007 destination. As far as I know, Promises is still around. So Also, Promises, you know. phenomenal Kylie Minogue song from the album Body Language. Oh, we love that album. Yes. Taste. <laughs> anyway, when we're back, we are joined by Jacob Anderson from Interview with the Vampire. And believe it or not, he really loves this podcast. You know, certain people are just wrong, and he's one of them. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. <laughs> Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. 
<laughs> Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives have it always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. You know him from his breakout role as Grey Worm in Game of Thrones. And now he's back as the star of the fantastic new series, Interview with a Vampire. I'm thrilled to welcome to Keep It, Jacob Anderson, who, for some reason, listens to the show. I love this show. I'm very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you have, I'm very vulnerable. I, you have all the power here. I let's go. <laughs> no, seriously, I absolutely love you guys, and um, I listen to this show every week. I'm just sad that there's one episode I'm not going to be able to listen to now. This <laughs> At one, least the middle section. This one, yeah. <laughs> do you not like? So, do you not like listening to yourself or watching yourself back? I on no, TV. I like I like to watch myself back. And it's not just, mm -hmm. I think it's not just about me. It's just when you're on a set and you see how mm -hmm. hard everybody's working, it just feels very rude to not, <laughs> like, to not watch it back. Okay. Um, but it is, it can be quite excruciating sometimes. I don't like listening to myself back. Okay. You have such a lovely voice, though. Thank you. But so maybe it's because, well, <laughs> this um, this voice, okay. Um, maybe it's just because I'm American. And so, you know, a British accent always sounds better to us. I feel like you're always in, in England, though. I don't know if I'm... I, if I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was at a wedding in Oxford this year. So that's... Yeah. And th it was it was like a couple weeks that I was there. So maybe that's why it seems like I'm always in England. You're just like a, a European king. You just travel around Europe. <laughs> you have very European <laughs> sensibilities. <laughs> uh, maybe it's like vampire sensibilities. Um, yeah. I am actually going to... I'm going to Prague for Thanksgiving. It's nice. the first time going there. So have you been? I've never been. I hear that okay. the alcohol is cheap and the buildings are pretty. That's what I know about Prague. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> I, I will look forward to old buildings uh, and cheap liquor. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you a bit about this series, Interview with the Vampire, which is... Great. And also people are loving it online too. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's um I don't like I don't really know what to do with like people have been really nice about the shop. <laughs> I don't really know what to do with that. <laughs> like my instinct is like I want to be defensive about something and I'm like, well, I don't really have anything to be defensive about. People have been really nice. And I'm very proud of mm. it. I got interviewed the other week and um and I did the uh the thing where <laughs> I got asked what it was about. In fact, it was the interview where I talked about this show and um and I was like, I feel like the way that I can describe this show is it's just a vibe, which is never a way to describe a show, <laughs> especially not on a, on a press tour. Um. <laughs> a lot of shows are just vibes, though, I will say. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean it like like Insecure was a vibe. Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of shows, it's not, it, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of plot going on. It's not <laughs> Rings of Power. Um, you know, or even Game of Thrones, where I have to remember, like, there is so much going on. Who are these people's names? It's like you tune in and it's this is what you're going to get each week. And I love the vibe yeah. of, I don't know, it's New Orleans and it's, you know, it's vampires. And, you know, there's um, this it, it just feels fun to watch. Uh, and it's yeah. been a while since there's been a vampire thing on TV that I feel like I've cared about. Maybe since True Blood. Wow. So this is, would you say this is this is the one that you like best since True Blood? Or have you seen? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's like, and it, it feels very True Blood. You know, there's like a lot of gay shit going on. There's yeah. just um, people floating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of murder. <laughs> we We do be floating. <laughs> I, can, I can give you that. <laughs> uh, how do you prep for a series like this? You know, like, have you been to New Orleans before? Um, what's it like to work on this accent? Yeah, I no, I, so I've never been to New Orleans before. But weirdly, mm -hmm. as soon as we, as soon as I touched down, I was like, "There's just something very familiar about this city," and it really reminds. I'm from. A, do you know a place called Bristol? In the UK. I've heard of Bristol, but describe Bristol for me. So Bristol is, um, it's a very artistic city. It's the home okay. of like Banksy and Massive Attack, Porter's Head. Um, okay. Tricky. Okay. Tricky's from Bristol. Okay. Trip Hop so City. Like, yeah, Trip Hop City. It's a, it's a baby city. Um, <laughs> it has, it's, um, but it also, there's like a lot of, um, like slavery was was prevalent in that city. It's like a, a port city. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of ugly history there, but also like a lot of a lot of black people, and um, and just uh, it's it's weird. It's like a joyful place that has kind of quite uh, or not quite. It's very sinister history behind it, and it's almost like people just uh, are choosing to to live on and and celebrate each other. So I felt really at home in New Orleans. Um, but in terms of <laughs> prepping for this job, I was kind of like, I don't know how you really prep for this. Like, apart from learning <laughs> lines, I just like I made sure I learned the, I learned the interview, all the way through. Um, what did I do? I did a lot of running because we did because we did nights. The whole thing's nights. I was like, I need to mm. have my stamina up. So I thought running would really help. I was gonna try like the, the Matthew Knowles. Uh, the Matthew Knowles training camp, like running on a treadmill and saying my lines at the same time, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's, it's harder than it than it sounds. Um, 
<laughs> and yeah, the accents really, because it was 1910, mm-hmm. I spoke to a few people that had ideas about what the accent should be. And it was, it was like this um, sort of French Creole thing, but it was like made up because nobody really knows how anybody sounded in 1910. <laughs> so I just listened okay. to people. Like I just, I listened to like cab drivers and people in stores and, and just soaked it in like that. Cause I feel like I wanted it to be recognizable to people now in New Orleans as well. Yeah. Um, I hate a night shoot for the record, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I, I feel like if you're doing, <laughs> if you're doing a show like this though, you have to, you have to sign up for it. You know, just like va- vampires can't be in the daylight. So yeah. it's always yeah. going to be a lot of night shoots going on. I think I didn't quite bargain for what it would actually mean <laughs> no, to make this <laughs> short. Like it, it was, I think we did like 80 something nights, consecutive mm-hmm. nights, barring Sundays. And um, yeah, I think I was like, oh, we're going to do stuff inside and that's going to be on stage and that'd be okay. We'll do that during the day. No, <laughs> no. <it was> so, are there a lot of stages, or are there? Are you shooting in homes there? Like, sort of, what's the setup like in New Orleans? It was a mix. The the Point du Lac mm-hmm. estate is a real place, uh, mm-hmm. which is now used for, I think, weddings and events and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it is a plantation house. I mean, my guess is that it is. Um, so <laughs> I'll ask Blake Lively if it, if it's where she got married. I'll ask her. Uh, <laughs> she she's got a list of them. Uh, it is really weird wandering around there and just seeing like beautiful homes and then being like, oh no, this was also just a plantation. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a constant feeling of being like, oh wow, the the majesty. And then seconds later, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. We're going to walk on. I don't really want to walk around. Um, But, yeah, no, we shot shot, uh, a lot in New Orleans, in the city, and then the stages were just outside in Chalmette. And they built, like, they built two blocks of city streets outside what used to be, not a Kinko's, I'm not very good at my American stores, it was like one of those big, uh, like department stores. It used to be one okay. of them. Begins with an L. Is this interesting? <laughs> uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lewis would have better, probably, department store knowledge than me. I don't know if that's shady. Uh, I feel like he. I feel like he would. Uh, he, he'd at least recall it. Um, shooting this show. Um, how is this? different than it was shooting game of thrones like what was the process for that show where there were seven thousand more people in the show but i feel like your scenes within game of thrones were very contained yeah um what were the differences i think yeah this this was interview with the vampire was much more intimate it was because really for a majority of the time, it's just me and Sam or me, Sam and Bailey uh, doing these kind of very domestic scenes, which are also loaded with all of this like 
vampire murdery shit. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> not to, not to undermine the whole thing, all of that vampire <laughs> murdery shit. Um, no, but they, uh, it was yeah, it was all quite domestic. So I guess that was quite different in terms of scale. Game of Thrones was always like every day the scale was was mad. Um, but we we really bonded. We had like a little, you know, we had a little crew um, with Natalie and Amelia, and then later Conleth and Peter. It was nice. It was yeah. It was just, it's just everything was pretty hectic on Game of Thrones all the time. Whereas this was hectic, but it was like internally hectic and it was 3 a.m. every day Mm -hmm. all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell me a bit about working with, um, you know, your co-stars. I mean, you have Sam Reed, who is Mm -hmm. fantastic um, as Lestat. And um, then you've got, Eric Bogosian, who has been in everything. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and those are the two people you're opposite the most. So, you know, what what is what is what are they like um working with? Well, Eric is amazing. He's like Eric will, he'll he would start talking to you about um like he'd be like, Oh, I did this movie with Steven Seagal and um and you're like, under siege too, I know. And he's like, he'll, just sort of, he'll he'll throw out these these sort of flippant references and allusions to things he's done. And you're like, yeah, I know what talk radio is, Eric. Like, <laughs> and he's just so casual about it. And he he's just one of those people that like he he has a story for everything. He's met everyone. There's a there's a Basquiat in um in one of the rooms in the show, and um. Mm-hmm. And his on Eric's first day, he came and sat down on the sofa and just went, "Oh, I met him. I met Basquiat. Yeah, he was a cool guy. I was I was hanging out with Debbie Harry and Basquiat and <laughs> in New York, and you know they couldn't keep up with me. Those kids and, and you're like, who is this? What? <laughs> what's, what's going on? This is so surreal, so bizarre. He's like a real life vampire. Um, and but he's just like very charming and brilliant and um. And I love him. And he's kind of like a uh, surrogate father slash grandfather. Let's say father. Let's be kind. He's like, <laughs> become that. He's like very, um, yeah. Uh, and and Sam is just like my partner in crime. And I feel so lucky that I got to spend every day with him. Like we, we had to do a lot of stuff in this show. Like um, when I say a lot of stuff, I mean... Like those nights are no joke. <laughs> like knowing those scenes and and working on those scenes together at that hour, like you can only do that with somebody that you like. Even if the even if the the scene it calls for like tension, you I think you would just kill each other if you didn't like each other. It would be the most uh recorded the, the most recorded amounts. I don't know. There'd be a book. Somebody would have written a book about uh about whoever played those parts if if you hated each other. I don't know actually. Mm. <laughs> maybe there maybe there already is a book. Um I I always yeah. feel for him because um I don't know, whenever you do a period piece, you know, it's it's like how I also feel for um like people on Game of Thrones too, mm. right? Um except for your character because you got to be bald. Um <laughs> you like you 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 forget like how hot some of these people are in person because you, the wigs and everything that's on them. I'm like that. Yeah. 
you know, he's got that hair every episode. But you know, it looks good on him. Is he is now Sam's hair? He now has that okay. hair. He's grown it. He out. grew it out. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's a little bit alarming. <laughs> Sam, are you in there? Um, no, but he he ties it up and it looks cool. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the the, uh, the hair the hair is is crazy in this show. I mean, I have a conk. <laughs> I never I never thought in my life I would have my hair conked for anything. And it was a it was a process. But um <laughs> but my hair's healthy. It's it's all good now. <laughs> um another thing I really appreciate about the show too is like it starts out with your family. So it it really takes you know, these Anne Rice novels, which, you know, are very, um, you know, Southern, white, heavy, um, with all this Christian lore in it, and then mm. sort of makes it um, about you and this black family in New Orleans and, you know, sort of what happens to you when you're ripped away from that world. And it discusses, I feel like, you know, race and things in a way that the books didn't before. Were you familiar with... Um, if not the books, the original film, um, and like, did you have opinions on uh, Interview with the Vampire, or do you know just vampire stories in general and how they've sort of always been told? Yeah, I so I hadn't read any of the books before I auditioned for the show. I, but then I read the first and second book just before mm-hmm. the shooting. I read I read the first book uh, after I read the script, um, mm-hmm. and I was shocked. I was very shocked to learn that Louis in the books is, is a, a white plantation owner. Um, and there's some, there's some stuff in the, in the book that I, I was a little uncomfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. But then, but reading, reading the script, and actually before I read it, I think I was like, I was just a little bit worried that it was going to be a case of like, okay, we're remaking this, uh, this film that's based on a book. And mm-hmm. there's like 10 of them on TV at the moment. And um, and they they're kind of going. Well, the difference is going to be that that the lead character is black or a mm-hmm. person of color. Um, but they weren't going to change anything about the story. Um, mm-hmm. so I kind of had the fear of of colorblind casting, and was just like was really pleased to see that it's it's a part of what makes this interpretation so rich and and so truthful is that it leans into it and it's like well what i don't think it changes the character an awful lot but it i think it just imbues it with more um more texture and and it also is the time that the story is set i think if louis wasn't black it would be weird because it's new orleans like in the 1910s um and yeah in terms of getting to know the family as well it's like you need to really understand what Louis has lost when he becomes a vampire. Um, and I, I yeah, <laughs> um, this is, this is maybe one of the more incomprehensible interviews I've done. Ira. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm just no, slightly is, tripping is, out is, that I'm talking to you. This is great. You. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> All right, I just let have me, to let be me, honest uh, with you. Rather than, how did you? And rather than I'm just going like um and and yeah and uh, um, um. 
How did you AMC first? are not going to be happy with this. They're like, <laughs> "What were you talking about, Jacob?" This is like <laughs> they'll be they'll be fine. I got AMC Plus for this, so you know, I gave the, I gave them a subscriber, um, and I don't know what else I'll watch on it. Probably just rewatch Mad Men. Yeah. Well, what else, yeah. What else have they got? Let's uh, buy some of the goodwill back. What other brilliant shows do AMC have to offer? <laughs> you know what? I've been meaning to watch Better Call Saul. So I can do that Better too. Better Call Saul is great. Yeah. Okay. It's, great. it's it's a blind spot for me. I have never seen that show, but I've loved I loved Breaking Bad. Um yeah. it, so it gives you a similar thing, but uh but he is is it a different beast? And it's kind of, there's something comforting about knowing that, uh, like knowing where he's going, having like a uh-huh. very clear, you're like, oh, this, I'm growing to like this sleazebag rather than <laughs> like, I like this. I like, it's the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not. Um, um, you know what? I always forget that he was the dad of Malcolm in the Middle. I never forget. <laughs> you know, that was I, why loved, I watched it initially. I love Malcolm in the Middle, uh, yeah. but I would say that um, you know I always think about just Jane Kaczmarek. She's oh, she's so brilliant in that show. Where is she? Yeah. Was she? I I want to watch her now. I want to see her in everything. Uh, Jane Kaczmarek seems like she might have stopped acting. Uh, a bit. She was in the show Mixed Dish. Uh, she's done like a bunch of like, she's done like a bunch of guest appearances up to 2019. Um, and the last one of the last movies she was in was <laughs> I can't believe I was I was literally talking about this movie <laughs> with my friend last night. Um, Chips. She was in Chips. Um, oh, the the movie version of the Dax Shepherd. <laughs> the of uh, the Chips. yes yes. And Michael Pena of the the 1970s TV show Chips. Um, why I was talking about Chips, I have no idea. <laughs> I truly don't. It just came out in conversation. And I was trying to remember what Chips stood for. Um, and that's when we started talking about this film. But she was in that. Uh, what did Chips? What did you find? What were your findings? What is Chips? Uh, yeah, chips means um, coastal highway patrol. Oh. Uh, Cal- sorry, California Highway Patrol. And I was then baffled that the I and the S mean nothing. They're not incorporated so, into the name. No, they're not. So they should have called it's it. Just a, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a cutesy <laughs> title. Um, so I won't be revisiting chips. Um, to see Jane Kaczmarek's work, but I hope that she is. Um, I hope she's well, and I yeah, hope she's, um, you know, doing something else. Also, everything isn't acting. I'm sure she has a, a rich life outside of out outside of that show and outside of chips. yeah. Malcolm in the Middle was on TV for years. She probably has a very like actually rich life. Yeah, you know, she's oh, got money yeah, literally. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it's still on. By the way, Malcolm in the Middle is still syndicated. Uh, yeah. I will like I'll I'll turn on like TV sometimes, and I, I will see it on. So she's she's doing well. Jake Kaczmarek is doing well. 
Um, Shout I'm going to file that away to find out what she's up to. She's exactly the kind of person who would be on this show. So um, it's our last one. Our last one I asked then, how did you discover Keep It? And (laughs) what critiques do you have? What critiques do I have of, what do I have like critiques of Keep It? Yeah, what, of keep it. Do I have a, of yeah. us? <laughs> um, what? Oh, oh, this is a big question. Well, I found it because somebody else told me about Love It or Leave It, and there was a mention of Keep It on that. Mm. So I went back to it. I, so I, I, I had started listening to Keep It during the first part of lockdown. Okay, and um, and all was dark and cold in the world, and I uh you guys were just uh, like a a bright and consistent light in a in a very dark and gloomy tunnel and um oh thank you and, that was that was like our i feel like that was our renaissance you know right. once once we got jane fonda on the show then <laughs> that was the moment that was the, <laughs> it was it was pretty good to be fair i did I, like I, I went back and listened as well to everything that I'd missed. So I was, I was all the way up to date, and then just joined on after that. And I, I, I don't think I have any criticisms. I think you guys are doing the Lord's work. I think it's just like you have a, a real way of, uh, of being open and honest about how you feel about uh, all kinds of pop culture fuckery. But I also feel like you you have, there's a level of commentary and knowledge that you and Lewis have that um, that you feel like you're learning as well. Like I, I, I don't really enjoy social media. I just don't mm. know how to do it anymore. I don't either. I did. But I, I don't yeah, either, but I'm drawn to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm off. It's like I'm, I, I occasionally go in and like creep, and then I'm like, no, no, no. I need to leave. I need to leave. I need to get out of here. Um. So I don't like. But I'm. So I'm outside of that. I'm outside of that. Uh. That like instant thing. I don't get like the instant gratification that most people get when they like look on Twitter and they know exactly what's going on in pop culture. But I was like a heavily latchkeyed kid. I I was like completely brought up watching tv and movies and listening to music and so Mm -hmm. i have this kind of like innate thing that that wants to know what's going on and i want to see everything and i want to know everything and i you guys just have like a perfectly balanced way of articulating not only how you feel about what's going on but it feels fair even when you're harsh it always feels fair and deserved and um I just really enjoy it. You guys are, um, I mean, we've never met. This is the first time we've met, but I feel, yeah. uh, I feel very connected to you. And um, <laughs> is this weird? Is this the weirdest guest appearance you've ever had? <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's but, not. Uh, also, speaking of music, like you have two albums and they're quite good. I do. I do. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. You should sing in more things. Do you think? But, I, but yeah. I'm not like a sing. Like I'm not a belter. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, you, I'm you, mostly you know, just. You don't, you don't have to be Cole Porter, but you know. <laughs> uh. Is it like? 
I I love singing, but I love singing as a a means to like to like exercise myself with an O, exercise myself, uh, and basically okay. just get all of my uh, shit out of my brain, and then uh, I just sing it because I, I'm I don't really want anybody else to sing it. <laughs> it's more that kind of that kind of thing. Um, uh, but I'm sure I will. Al- your album is like trip hoppy too you know so is that because you're from where like portis head and massive attack is from is that what you listen to is that what you grew up on or maybe some was that just how you were feeling i think it's just like i feel like bristol is the kind of place where nobody's ever gonna like call you out for being into like for wanting to make music or wanting to be an actor Mm -hmm. or or do art or whatever it is that you want to do nobody's going to find it strange that you mix genres. And I feel like trip hop just seems to be like, like a Porter's Head album, for instance, is really difficult to categorize. Um, and it sort of feels like something that could only, not only come out of Bristol, because I guess there's people are, are doing that now all over the world, but I just never mm-hmm. really stuck to a genre. I like all kinds of things. And I think that's like reflected in, how I write songs mm. and my taste. Okay. Good. Well, you know. Oh, Cary Grant's from Bristol. Cary Grant is from Bristol. He's got a blue okay. plaque. <laughs> there's, a, there's a plaque in the city for Cary Grant? There is. Yeah. See, I bet Lewis is sad that he missed this now. <laughs> yes, because you know what? Lu- we could have talked let, about let, Cary Grant. <laughs> let, me tr- let, me tr- let me try and pretend that I'm Lewis for a moment. Um, okay. You know, Cary Grant, um, one thing about him is he's just like, he's, he's a very, has an intense sort of face, but he's so funny. Um, and, he, and he's really one of the funniest sort of leading men that we started with in the golden age of Hollywood. And then he, you know, say something about um, how great he was <laughs> with uh, Catherine Hepburn and bringing up baby and Rosalind Russell and His Girl Friday. And I would be like, and I would make a joke about His Girl Friday because I always referenced His Girl Friday on this podcast for some reason. And people have called me out about it. But I love bringing up Baby <laughs> even more. And I'd probably make a joke about, you know, like the dinosaurs that they, uh, the dinosaur bones that they climb on at the end of the film. And then they fall and catch each other, which is one of my favorite endings of a rom-com uh, and but then I would talk about how much I love him um, in his Hitchcock era um, because like Suspicion and Notorious, like To Catch a Thief and North by Northwest is iconic. So we would probably have like a Cary Grant off, um, yeah. and then you would just you know be amused with us doing I our am- annoying thing in person. <laughs> it, it's like he was in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I would, I would try to, sh- I would try to surprise him actually with um, a random Cary Grant film because I always like to, you know, like throw one out that he wouldn't expect me to bring up. Um, and I'm like, which one is that? You know, because I'm mostly, mostly a, um, mostly a Hitchcock Cary Grant person, but. You I would have a, say a really good base knowledge of Cary Grant. Like, I do. It, it's strong. <laughs> um, and a fair to remember with Deborah Kerr. 
Okay. Strong. I, I, yes. Yes. I would bring that one up. And yeah. he would probably tell me some other films that Deborah Kerr is in, um, and he like knows everything about her. Um, but that's where we'll leave it. <laughs> Jacob, this was wonderful. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Ira. And honestly, I speak for everyone, for all of the listeners, when I say um, thank you. Thank you for the music. Oh, thank you. The songs you're singing. Thank you for all the joy you're bringing. Um, no, honestly, it's like, it's a real bomb for me listening to this show. And I appreciate thank you. Thank you. And it's a joy watching you on Interview with the Vampire. It's really such a lovely show. And I'm glad that um, you're on it and that I got to watch it. And I got to keep watching thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I probably should have huh. told people to watch it a little bit more here, but... Oh, you know what? <laughs> it's fine. It's watch good. Interview what with the Vampire on it. AMC. <laughs> <laughs> Interview with the Vampire is out now on AMC. Did you know that more than 113,000 children are waiting to be adopted from foster care? Ellie was one of them. When she was placed in foster care at 16 after experiencing significant abuse, she felt unlovable. Thankfully, Ellie was adopted with help from the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. Today, she's planning on college and has a bright future. But more than 20,000 teens age out of care every year. You can help. Visit DaveThomasFoundation.org slash learn more. When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it, which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring... Choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, Lewis. So, in the interview with Jacob, I brought up um, Cary Grant because he is from Bristol, England. Oh, of course. Uh, And so, yeah, yeah. So he's from Bristol, just like Jacob is. And so I brought up, you know, first I brought up his um, rom-coms that I love, Bringing Up Baby and His Girl Friday, because one, I'm always making a Rosalind Russell reference on this show for some reason. And then I talked about Catherine Hepburn and their chemistry, and I talked about him and... um, you know, the dinosaur bones at the end of Bringing Up Baby, which is one of my favorite moments in cinema. Yes, uh, there's many, Philadelphia Story, uh, Penny Serenade, I love him in, yes. Mm-hmm. And then I talked about, obviously, like the Hitchcock films that he was in, because I feel like you would have talked about actresses he was opposite, and I would have talked about 
the Hitchcock films. But then I also brought up, um, I tried to bring up a film that I felt like would be a, a curveball that I like sure. him in. And that one was um, Charade. the one with Deborah Kerr, An Affair oh, to Remember. No, an Affair to Remember. Yes, but I could not remember. I remember now, obviously. I could not remember what else Deborah Kerr was in. And then I was like, oh, after we record, I was like, from here to eternity. Yeah, and The King and I. And you know, she's one of those people yeah. who is really beloved by uh, classic movie fans. She never won an Oscar, but uh, just a kind of dependable, regal presence. It's it's like if Greer Garson had a soul. That's a, that's a deep cut for the kids out there. Okay. okay. Who would you have brought up in terms of Cary Grant? Oh, God. Well, I would have brought up Penny Serenade. Uh, uh, let's see. As an actress, has he co-starred with? Yeah, I just feel what, what would have come to mind if, if he said he was from Bristol, England, and then I said, oh, Cary Grant's from there. Oh, well, I mean, I could have read you the entire Wikipedia. I would have brought up how his name is Archibald Leach, and he was a circus performer. So I did not know that about him. Yeah. All right. And also, he lived uh, with the fame. He lived with Randolph Scott, this guy, for like 15 years, and they were just they were known as like uh, bachelors together and everybody wonders if they're gay but then also he was married long after that to diane cannon who is still with us two-time oscar nominee and in fact uh also an uh, one of the rare actresses who was nominated in another category besides acting because she directed a i think a documentary or a short or something that was nominated i have to double check i'm looking her up and i have seen bob and carolyn ted and alice and Heaven one of my favorite movies Yes, uh-huh. can wait. Yes, beautiful actress. She uh, she used to be at, at Laker games all the time. It'd be like Jack Nicholson and then also Diane Cannon. Yes, I knew that name because our friend Sam Grossman, who loves the Lakers, uh, would always point out Diane Cannon to me when we saw her. So mm-hmm. um, she's around. Anyway, in light of Jacob Anderson joining us this week, uh, I thought it might be nice to revisit some of our favorite depictions of vampires in film and television and books and whatever. And you know I have a bunch, so I want to hear yours. Okay, well, I'm going to go real simple. My favorite vampire is original recipe, Bella Lugosi as Dracula, which I feel like people know is a reference and can kind of summon the vibe and maybe even a couple of the lines of the Bram Stoker adaptation. But when you watch it, a couple of things are great to me. First of all, Dracula is, or Bela Lugosi is just a straight up regular looking Hungarian dude. There's no, there's no real like intrigue to the way he looks. He doesn't look like a classic film heavy or villain. He's just sort of like, I don't know, normal guy looking, except in this case, pale and wearing a, vac- a vampire costume. But when he's interacting with Renfield or uh, Van Helsing, he is really, really scary. And they real the, the, the timing of the horror in those movies like when he's waiting to lunge or turning away once Van Helsing flashes across at him, is very sophisticated. Um, I know there are like huge fans of horror movies from the time, the universal horror movies and stuff, but I really think it's underrated how chilling those movies are. I mean, this is from like 1931. This is like eight years before Gone with the Wind, for example. So for them to nail it so early on in cinema feels like a crazy feat to me. You know, he does a lot of hand work as Dracula. Yeah, which, by the way, again, that's very, yeah, a lot if, of, you will, a lot faggy. Of, 
That's faggy. Yeah. So, you know. and, and I feel like there should be an element of like the queer going on with a vampire. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that is interesting that, you know, I brought up like the hand thing, the queer thing, because I rewatched Blackula this weekend. And how did that go? Which it, honestly is fantastic. You know, for people <laughs> who don't know, it is a black exploitation film from the 70s. Uh, and. The plot of it is that um, an African prince um, visits Count Dracula um, and demands that Dracula help him stop the slave trade. This is a documentary. Yeah. And Dracula says, no, slaves (laughs) might think it's barbaric, but the people who own the slaves like it. (laughs) And so he... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it stands to reason, yes. And so he turns the prince into a vampire and locks him in a casket um, for centuries. And then he's awoken in the 70s by two faggot interior designers. Come on, the 70s. That's <laughs> exactly are, what we want. They are swishing about. In Dracula's castle, talking about how this is the find of the century. They get the casket, you know, like take it back to Los Angeles. And then Dracula rises and kills them. Blackula rises and kills them. Also, I want to say that when he's turned into Blackula, Dracula bites him and puts him in the coffin and he says you will be cursed with like you know an eternal lust for blood you'll never be able to have it because you'll be trapped in this coffin for eternity which is interesting because i feel like if you didn't have blood for an eternity like you just wither and die at some point you know um but he says you will also carry my name with you wherever you go and he doesn't call him dracula which is his name he calls him blackula so Got Dracula it. comes up with the name. Um, <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. Dracula uh, should work in advertising. He's like, yeah, look <laughs> at this pun I've come up with. Uh, and then he starts obviously, you know, like chasing this uh, woman around the city who looks like his lover um, from, you know, the 18th century, which always happens with Dracula. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Sure doesn't understand lineage um, and descendants. And, you know, as soon as he sees someone who looks like his old lover, uh, well, that's a wrap. I mean, that was Winona Ryder in Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, directed by Coppola, which is a gorgeous film and beautifully directed and so boring. I was going to say, do you know what I find boring? Interview with the Vampire, the original one. Mm. I like, I love Tom Cruise in it. Love his performance. Anything that's like um, deliciously kind of Norman Batesy is such an unexpected move from him. I think it, it really pops out in his filmography as a strange choice for Tom Cruise to make. But um, and of course, Kristen Dunst is exceptional. Actually, Tandy mm-hmm. Wayne Newton gives a great performance in that movie. But otherwise, mm. shout it, out to you, her husband, by the way, Old yes. Parker. Right. Uh, what a name. But he, he directed the fuck out of Ticket to Paradise. Right. Yes. Which I still haven't seen yet. Uh, you know what? It's, it's, it's pure innocent fun. <laughs> it's 
it's just a fun time. It was it was a fun Sunday afternoon, and it gave me nothing more, nothing less than I expected. And I thought it was a perfectly fun time at the movies. Now, does that mean like well, let's compare it to another three star Julia Roberts movie like Notting mm-hmm. Hill? Is it worse than that? Well, yes, it's not Notting Hill. See, okay, that is important to note. So you have to accept that you're getting a level of schlock, but it is worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's so fun seeing her and George Clooney on camera again, you know? I am loving Uh, their interviews recently. They did a thing for TCM where they were talking about their favorite old movies. Uh, And in fact, at one part, um, they're asked, what movie of each other's could you watch over and over again? And Julia Roberts goes, oh, Syriana. So funny. Come on, Julia. (laughs) Julia is that bitch. I do not want anyone naysaying Julia ever again. She is the top. Yeah. I want her curly hair back. She is, it, it, it is laying a little flatter these days. You're right. Yeah. Um, no, they're, they're fucking amazing together. And honestly, uh, and Lucas Bravo is very funny in it too. Mm. So Billy Lloyd doesn't get a lot to do, unfortunately. But, and she was in Screen you know. Queens, which reminds me of Vampires. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, which is also coming back, by the way. When we're rebooting Ryan Murphy projects, I feel like we've fallen <laughs> off the edge a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, you know, uh, like when Beyonce and people are like you know, like when a pop star blanks out their social media pages and updates them, right? Uh, apparently, Scream Queens did that, but removed Fox from um, its bio. And I'm like, do we need a Scream Queens reboot in our lives? Also, that's a show that secretly had quite a few seasons, right? Not a lot, but like three no, or something. No, it only had two. It had two. Oh, really? Because we added yeah. Kirstie Alley to that, right? And yes. Jamie Lee Curtis? Christy, yeah. Kirstie Alley, Jamie Lee Curtis was there from the beginning. We added Kirstie Alley and um, Uncle Jesse. John Stamos? Yes, yes. That's his name. <laughs> <laughs> shocking miss from you right there but yes okay you know what rebecca romaine and i have blocked his name out okay okay let us rest (laughs) let Let me rest is still so fucking funny to me anything happens in the news you just get to respond let me rest uh that is me with the and i'm sorry if you were a person who is still tweeting at the end lewis to discuss the don't worry darling press cycle i'm done (laughs) <laughs> also my god we, we put out an anthology jesus christ i mean and now the fucking nanny is releasing um her diaries and <laughs> I, I i do Call not scar joe I, <laughs> I do not like it was fun hearing the story about um jason sudeikis you know jumping in front of Olivia Wilde's car. It was funny hearing about her secret dressing recipe that's really just Nora Ephron's dressing recipe from Heartburn, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, but A basic vinaigrette, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there is too much going on. I, I do not need to keep hearing about what's going on in these people's lives. Not unless there's a movie attached. I think in the next week for, uh, for Halloween, something I'm going to see a lot of is that Florence Pugh purple outfit with the Aperol spritz. I think we're going to get a lot of that costume mm. this year. Yeah. And you know what it won't be, though? It won't be Valentino. No. So it's, why bother? Oh, no, it sure won't be. No. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's like Heidi Klum doing it at that annual Halloween party that she always has. 
And that's when I have my yearly nightmare about the assistants who work for Heidi Klum and they're putting together like, oh, I need to call blank. I, I need to call Moschino so she can get her fucking fish tail tailored or whatever. <laughs> Make it work. <laughs> <laughs> and then they do a fake laugh with her and they're like shut up bitch it's not funny anymore <laughs> how many um, times do you think she said make it work to seal before he was like i've had enough <laughs> i would love to know if that's how it went down if she was trying if, if she also graduated from on-screen talent to producer like she did on Project Runway and she was trying to produce mm. the marriage and it all went awry which arguably is what happened on Lifetime um I would say to get back to our topic oh yeah obviously you know we know how much I love you know like um a Buffy etc yes um we talked about that we talked about True Blood before um but I think that one of my favorites that I don't think we talk about that much is The Lost Boys I have never seen it. Oh, okay. You don't like Kiefer? I love Kiefer in Stand By Me, where he is menacing and bum chilling as the older brother of Will Wheaton. But uh, no, I'm not that educated on uh, Kiefer. My icon from that era is Martha Plimpton. Uh, if Martha Plimpton was in a movie from that time, I'm really into it. Okay. Both icons of Fox. Yes. She raised hope <laughs> you know. for all of us. <laughs> and we got to see an entire day of Kiefer Sutherland's life. Right. So there's that. Now, I have a question. Wasn't there one good Twilight movie? I forget which. Eclipse, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I, tr- I think it was the third one because I went, to, I went to see the third and the fourth one in theaters uh, because at that point it had become – like everyone was psychotically talking about Twilight. And so I went to see them. Uh, so I saw the last two films and um, they were insane. <laughs> but I never it saw really the first two. It seems unforgivable. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's unforgivable that this was fanfic. Um, no, wait, this wasn't fanfic. Fifty Shades of Grey was fanfic. Fifty Shades was Twilight fanfic. And then that became a phenomenon, too, until I feel like the movies just sort of petered out. Right. I just, Twilight is just, we we talk obsessively about how Avatar is a phenomenon that had no legacy, even though we're about to get another one that everyone's about to see. But we're about to get 50. I feel like Twilight has also fallen off. It lasted for so long, and they won every MTV Movie Award in sight. And Kristen Stewart, I think, would like dissolve into a puddle if you brought up that that movie series to her right now. But like, it lasted for the longest time, and now it would be so gauche to discuss. Even like, who's sitting around still obsessed with? Like, they're still obsessive Harry Potter fans, you know. But there's not, I don't think, an obsessive Twilight contingent. Lewis, baby, the Twitter lesbians are going to come for you. <laughs> Well, look, they're already after me after this Taylor review, so don't you fucking worry. The Jill <laughs> Gutowitz love... army, they will find me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they love Twilight, okay? Like, they they love it. And the next thing they should love is themselves, because it's not good. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, I also would be remiss if I didn't mention Blade. So, oh my god, I, th- that was almost like my idea of what a vampire was for a long time. That came out when I was playing nine or something. Uh, yeah, the 
the shower scene in the club with like the blood falling um down while everyone's dancing is like brilliant still so i mean even bb rexa paid homage to that um in her sacrifice video <laughs> Cine asked. I couldn't even say that with a straight face. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even get that out with a straight face. But by the way, again, this goes back to my problem with Taylor. That's at least like an interesting reference. Make like the if you're going to make a reference to something pop cultural, find something that isn't mine to death. You know, like BB Rexa. I applaud you in this regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure other people will share their favorite um, vampire films with us, things that we missed. You know, someone's going to be like, you didn't bring up vamps. And I'm like, I sure the fuck didn't. <laughs> um, Guys, we want, we're over here trying to give Amy Heckerling credit. We're not trying to tear her down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. There's uh, From Dust Till Dawn, you right. know, if... Um, John Carpenter's Vampires, which I was watching when yeah. I found out Aaliyah died. That puts you at a moment in time. Oh, Queen of the Damned. Oh, Queen of the Damned, yes. Which, uh, you know who I always call Queen of the Damned? Ricky Martin, because he, at that VMAs, <laughs> said the winner is Aaliyah, and then she died the next year. And I was like, <laughs> I believe you cursed her. You're the Queen of the Damned. <laughs> Uh, and let's not forget the many Dracula adaptations like Dracula 2000 starring Vitamin C. Oh, yes. Nickelodeon music exec or whatever she was for a long time. She might still be Vitamin no, C. No, she was a Nickelodeon uh, music exec, but I believe she now is like an interior designer. Oh, damn. I thought she was still like soundtracking whatever reboot of Rugrats we had. That's someone whose life story we need to dig into on this show. We need vitamin Mm -hmm. C on Keep It. I have a lot of questions. Vitamin C and Bonnie McKee. Are they the same person? Check in next week. We're going to do that research. And does cortisone cream get rid of the itch that vitamin C had? (laughs) Really dumb. Thanks for that. (laughs) Have another one. And is she still friends with the people she graduated with because friends forever i'd right. like to know i gotta say in retrospect i have to be honest i'm doing the math seems like a lie <laughs> we tell her we tell ourselves lies in order to live you know that's not what joan didion said but that's what she meant she was talking about vitamin c when <laughs> she wrote that obviously <laughs> oh oh my god <laughs> All right. Uh, we are sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, play it as it lays in the sun and gets and soaks up all that vitamin D. Right. <laughs> Slouching towards Bethlehem because of that scurvy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. When we're back, um, keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's Keep It. Me, Lewis, I'll go first. Um, My Keep It goes to something I saw on Twitter a lot, especially as it pertained to the death of Leslie Jordan. People would begin their tweet of remembrance with, I'm not usually affected by celebrity deaths, but first of all, what a a big masculine man you are. Wow, I can't get over (laughs) how amazing your emotional strength is that you simply... 
if a celebrity dies, you feel nothing. To brag that you feel nothing. Great. I don't know what that instinct is to, I don't know, shame people for liking celebrities or thinking they relate to them or like shaming the idea of a parasocial relationship, which I just did with Taylor Swift and her fans, of course. Um, But I don't think that's completely normal to be like, the lives of celebrities, if I'm a fan of them, doesn't affect me at all. Like, I don't think by saying that, you're emphasizing that the real relationships in your life actually matter to you, which I, I think what they think the implication is. To me, it just sounds like you're callous and want other people to think you're callous and there's a certain strength in that. And I just don't believe that. And also, it, it doesn't add strength to your remembrance of the person you're remembering. Like, I don't read that and then read your what you have to say about Leslie Jordan and think, oh, your emotions are so amazing and intact and well-articulated. To me, it's, you need to be congratulated for not feeling much of anything. But in this case, you're going to make an exception. Well, thank you so much for deigning to um, express a real sentiment like the rest of us functioning human beings. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like this thing where it feels like I'm cool and I'm above it all, you know? Like, I don't care about celebrities at all. But this person like really affected me. And also, I'm also letting you know that this is the one celebrity that I think is cool and worth caring that they died. Yeah, (laughs) right. Oh, so you suck. Great. Thanks for the keen insight on the human condition, you fucker. I also want to point out the morbid thing of um, passing by where Leslie Jordan died. Oh, which is right in the middle of town. It's Hollywood, right? Yeah. Um, well, it's like it's my route to the gym. So, like, the street was shut down. I didn't know what it was. Um, and then later I'm checking Twitter and I see that that's where he died in a car accident. And I was like, that's just very dark to know. Well, also, it was weird. Like, TMZ reported it first. And I remember reading it. And it said, uh, he died in a car accident Monday morning. And it was still Monday morning. Like, I understand that's the yeah. world we live in, and we've been living in it for a long time. Still weird to be like, oh, I guess I'm just going to pass it now or whatever. I work in Hollywood yeah. myself. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's 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 one of the things. And this is um, this goes into my keep it, I guess. You know, I guess we're just bad at social media this week. Sure. <laughs> one of the things I saw this week was basically someone writing. Um, they hate when TV and film they can tell that it that dialogue in it was written just to be screenshot and shared on social media and all of the examples in this thread are just quotable pieces of dialogue and i want to know what do you think writers do right they want people to think it's funny <laughs> yeah we did or like they want people to think that it's like meaningful you know um do you, do you think that people just came up with quotable pieces of dialogue when social media was created? Like you just referenced earlier, um, you know, we tell each other we tell each other lies in order to live. You know, the, like Joan Didion was like, "Can't wait till that's on Tumblr." <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a little bit puzzling. I, I guess the implication is they it feels to them like somebody who does ad copy came in, wrote some jokes, and then left. You know, a Twitter strategist came in, wrote their idea of humor, interrupted the flow of what was going on, and left. But obviously, writers w- want people to think the thing is funny. So if they write sort of in a, in a, vo- in a popular voice, wouldn't that just make sense? 
Yeah, I feel like it maybe goes to what we talked about with Paul Reiser last week, too, about the idea of how on Mad About You, he said that they didn't um, sometimes put a joke in because it felt a little too jokey and like not something that the characters would actually say. But dialogue has always been quotable. And I feel like it's people who grew up on social media now thinking that people are writing specifically for things to be on Tumblr or to be a GIF. And I'm like, in a way, yes, because you want people to remember the things that you write. But like, I, we, we were in high school when people were like sitting around lunchrooms, like quoting Anchorman and Seinfeld episodes, you know, like people have done this for years. People always quote dialogue or like a quote or something that they like. And like that didn't come to fruition with social media. No. Oh, I, I distinctly remember half the men I knew in my life up until the like around 1999 when I was in middle school. Your entire personality could be quoting The Simpsons. What, uh, that was your entire sense of humor. Please. Um, I'm still recovering. Because, by the way, The Simpsons is a show where a lot of the very funny lines in that show need the context of the very specific nature of that show. Like, people would just, like, mm-hmm. quote something in a character voice. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, is is that funny? I don't know what you're talking about. But Purple monkey dishwasher. What does that mean? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, also, shout out to straight boys in high school for making me think that Boondock Saints was a good film. Oh, we can, we cannot go down this path because the amount, excuse me, I was an RA from 2006 to 2008. This is a little bit after what you're talking about. And I would arrange movie nights for the, the guys on my floor to, to be nice, you know, to pretend like I did my job. What these fuckers would have me sit through. First of all, boondock saints. <laughs> Second of all, smoke and aces. Bitch, do not put me in front of Alicia Keys in a thriller again. <laughs> do not. <laughs> I think I've defended smoking aces on this show before. Oh my god! Well, I blocked that out for my own mental health. <laughs> Gentle fuck. Speaking of Alicia Keys, you know she's got her whole you know like no makeup thing. Yes. Um, but people were making fun of her this week because she tweeted, "About to make my vegan, gluten free, dairy free, sugar free pancakes, and them things are good. Don't hate." And people are like, "You're about to eat a blueberry." that reminds me there's an awesome (laughs) i'm actually about to be the middle school version of myself and quote daria there was quinn the younger sister on that show she she has the fashion club over i I think it's her who says it she goes oh my no fat no butter salt free popcorn is ready and all the other girls go "Mm." (laughs) very funny uh honestly anything tiffany in the fashion club said would uh, like tiffany. send me into hysterics yeah yeah uh, tiffany's <laughs> such a good character well i love I, I of course love sandy who is one of the true cunts of television um <laughs> yeah. Quinn, are you actually going to be wearing that yeah <laughs> also i mean we always talk about um the teacher with the um the bulging eyes mr Martino. Uh, yes mr Martino, but I want to shout out to the pr- principal. Was it Principal Lee? Oh, I love Angela Lee on that show. Drunk with power. Yes. <laughs> dr- dr- truly drunk with power. And I remember one of my favorite episodes was um, a season premiere where um, 
She had the school sponsored by a soda brand. Yes, amazing. And the soda brand was everywhere. Truly, she everyone everyone on Daria was like you said, like a lot of them were just cunts and they were so funny. Yes. I uh, know Angela Lee, principal of Lawndale High. <laughs> By the way, has enough been said about the fact that the fashion club in that show graphs perfectly onto the plastics in Mean Girls? Like, Sandy is Regina, Stacy is Gretchen, and Tiffany is Karen. I don't think they. I don't think we have really. I mean, I'm sure it exists somewhere. Someone, someone at Wesleyan wrote that paper. <laughs> I'm. I don't know that I've never ever put that together before. I feel bad for me. Yeah, um, Daria, still still one of the funniest fucking shows on TV and probably where I got a lot of my sense of humor from. Oh, yeah. I mean, Gar- Daria was Garfield for closeted gay middle schoolers. I think that's just the truth. Yeah, and I think that goes to one other thing that someone tweeted where it's just sort of like, so there's always someone tweeting something like referencing like an old film or like an old scandal and it's like um, – Social media would have gone crazy if this ha- if like if it were around when this thing came out. And it's have you heard of the phrase water cooler show before? <laughs> right. People used yes. to discuss people people talked about television. Yeah. <laughs> television, films, other things that, like celebrity scandals. Like we talked about them with each other in person. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just a quote tweet sent out into the ether fucking chad (laughs) but like it could be because you could talk about something like at a party or at school or something and then the amount of people wanting to chime in because they want to talk about it too with like-minded people was like astounding like i truly remember in high school um the oc debuted with like a eight episodes in the summer and then when we came back to school there was a math class or like I went to an all boys school too, you know, like there are, there are football players in the classroom talking to me about Ryan and Marissa because they wanted someone to talk to about it. Right. It's weird to think about being behind on shows at that time, what you would have to do to actually catch up with them. Like that's around the era when like things would be released on DVD. But even before that, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, for example, Seinfeld, you needed to see every single episode, but like, if you wanted to see all of it, I guess you just waited around for reruns. It's really shocking. Wait around for reruns, or you just wouldn't watch it, you know? I feel like that's why we had previously on. So that's why they yeah. used to really be useful um, if you missed something. Because I feel like people were – I mean, you look at ratings for, like, some of the most popular shows on TV, like a Melrose Place or something, and people would, you know, just miss an episode if they had to, you know? Yeah. But you would just mm-hmm. watch it in two weeks when it was on, and maybe you'd catch the one you missed during the summer, but it wasn't that big a deal. I feel like previously ons for TV now are because of shows like a Glee or like a House of Dragon or something where like so much fucking shit happens in an episode that the next week you have no idea what happened last week. Right. It's not connected at all. Yeah. Previously on such and such show really used to be for the people who like didn't see last week's episode, but we're tuning in this week. Uh, that really helped me during my obsession with Lois and Clark. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Adventures of Lois and Clark, the original. Yes. Terry Hatcher, by the way, was just in a, I think, North Hollywood version of The Addams Family, as in the musical The Addams Family. And I want you to know that I will go to my deathbed regretting not fucking seeing that. Okay, well, 
I'm very angry at my friend Chris for not telling me that Terry Hatcher was in this. I would have gone to North Hollywood to see Terry Hatcher in Adam's Family the Musical. I just thought he was seeing some school production that a friend of his was in. And you know what? It might have been, but it had Terry Hatcher. (laughs) All right. Well, now I'm sad. Um, Anyway, that's our episode this week. I hope you enjoyed the fangs coming out for Taylor Swift. (laughs) Uh, Thank you to Jacob Anderson for joining us this week. And uh, we'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Fertel. Our editor is Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Malconian, and Delon Villanueva for our production support every week. When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it, which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.